The answer is hybrid. There's, there's no question. Like, I mean, look, if we can do, if everyone can be together, that's the best of all worlds. But the reality is that we've gotten used to doing something different and we realize it's actually more efficient for certain types of work to be on your own, to not, you don't have to be in the office. But to not be in the office at all is a disaster. That is the voice of Ben Michaelis, and he's going to give us insights on psychology and the hidden motivation of human beings on today's Super You podcast. That's one small step for man. Liftoff. We, have a liftoff. we choose to go to the moon, not because they are easy, but because they I are I have hard. a dream. You can't handle the truth. Seven. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 super you. Welcome to today's Super You Podcast. Today we have Ben Michaelis, PhD. He's an executive coach, clinical psychologist, and author with an expertise in evolutionary psychology and the hidden motivations of human beings. That's right, the hidden motivations of all of us. And currently Ben is CEO and co-managing partner at thegroup.io. Again, that's thegroup.io if you want to type it into your browser. He works intimately with clients to create and cultivate healthy corporate culture and positive change. Ben graduated summa cum laude from Columbia University with a BA in psychology and he holds a PhD from New York University in clinical psychology. Ben is currently based in New York City and enjoys spending time with his family and he is passionate about nature and his dog Obi. Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. Holiday season's coming up. Who's going to be your best friend? Amazon Prime. I know it gets me through at a pinch every single year. Been doing it since, if you can believe it, since the late 90s. At the time, people thought I was crazy. Like, what do you mean you're having it shipped to Florida? I go, look, I can order from this place called Amazon. It ships in a day all the way to Florida. I don't have to carry all this stuff down there. Now it's just commonplace, but uh, Amazon Prime, thank you for sponsoring today's episode. So good to have you on here, Ben. It's good to see you. Uh, Welcome to the show. Great to be here, Eric. Great to be here. Seriously. Yeah, so you go into Appreciate all these you. amazing companies and, and you're helping them with their culture and a lot of things. Uh, in the here and now, there's a lot of listeners of the show. They're entrepreneurs. There's entrepreneurs within large companies. What are you seeing most of the time when you go in there? What are you helping to solve for? So, you know, the, the reality is obviously everything has shifted over the last... It was going that way anyway, but over the last three years, it has just really been... I think of COVID as an accelerant. It really accelerated trends that were already existing. And, you know, we didn't really come up in the world necessarily doing uh, business in this way where it's mostly virtual. So a lot of teams are having a difficult time getting along. They're having a difficult time coming to consensus on things because so much of the way they're socializing with each other is through uh, Teams or Zoom or what have you. And it makes relationships really brittle. And so I'm a psychologist by training. My team are psychologists. And we're doing a lot of work within companies because they're just it's a totally new way of interacting. So it's a big hot topic uh, across the board. Um, as we come through this for a while, there's like virtual, virtual, everyone's going to work remote, work remote, work remote. And now all of a sudden, whoa, 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 we're not hitting our numbers. Uh, we got to get some people back in the office. I was just with TikTok of all places. Um, they're requiring mm-hmm. some of their divisions to be in five days a week, uh, which can cause it's not just TikTok, it's across the board. I talked to a lot of these CEOs. Totally. Now, the, the challenge in my mind, well, first of all, I'll let you go. Like what, 
What are your thoughts? What are you seeing on the virtual versus hybrid versus um, working all in person five days a week, old school? I mean, it, it sounds like we're seeing a lot of similar things, right? Like the thing about virtual is we've look, we've learned we can do business this way. There's no question that we have learned things about it. What the challenge is, is that we don't do relationships well this way. And business is fundamentally about relationships, whether it's relationships with your clients, relationship with your team, and the nature of Zoom or, te- or Teams or any of this stuff is it lends itself to kind of more transactional relationships. And transactional relationships are, you know, you can, again, you can exchange things, you can exchange information, you can exchange dollars, money, but the best relationships are not transactional. They're, they're really about getting to know the person and the medium doesn't lend itself to that. And so one of the reasons we've been so busy with a lot of these either fully remote companies or companies that are hybrid is that we take we bring the teams together and try to help them stitch their relationships together uh, in a limited period of time, which is critical for their businesses. No, that makes sense. And then this is a tough question. So you've got 10 minutes, Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft. He's sitting there, Ben, you come in. Satya's like, I got 10 minutes. Really his executive assistant saying, Ben, you got 10 minutes. And Satya sits there, I know this is a complex question, but should I go hybrid? Should I go everyone's five days a week? Should I go fully remote? Ben, what should I do? What, what would the answer be to that? The answer is hybrid. Uh, there, there's, there's no question. Like, I mean, look, if we can do, if everyone can be together, that's the best of all worlds. But the reality is that we've gotten used to doing something different and we realize it's actually more efficient for certain types of work to be on your own, to not, you don't have to be in the office, but to not be in the office at all is a disaster. So. I can say that very clearly that hybrid is as much uh, in-person time as is realistic for your particular culture is the answer. That's good. Thank you for answering that. That's not an easy question, not knowing all the background. Now, some of these CEOs, they've understood, okay, look, talent's going to decide on how we work because I'm going to lose my best talent. If the talent wants to work remote, they're going to work remote. That means unlike any other time before, you're going to have to treat everyone differently, treat them fair but treat them differently. Meaning this rock star is crushing it. Rockstar says, if you want me to stay at this company, I just had my third kid. I want this type of lifestyle. I don't want to be in the office. I'm going to live in the hills of Colorado, the mountains of Colorado. And so, okay, we're going to keep you. Is there any good messaging for that CEO? Cause that's the hard thing, right? Cause then, then all of a sudden someone comes up, Hey, how come Bob gets to work in Colorado and, and I have to come in five days a week? What's the advice around that type of messaging to the team when that when that comes up? I mean, it's the, it's the billion dollar question. It's a trillion dollar question, Eric. It's a great question. And you're pointing to, I mean, it's clear that you are doing this work because only someone that is in this space could be thinking about those sort of nuanced questions. So I totally appreciate that these are not easy questions. But, <clears throat> you know, you just like in personal relationships, same thing in business relationships, you earn your way into the relationship, right? So if you have been producing at a very high level for the company, the company should make appropriate accommodations for, for you if necessary to keep you happy, to keep you there. And, you know, if you have not been that, it's, it's the same thing in all relationships. It, the question is really the messaging. Um, but I do think that 
being very clear about what people need to do to be at a certain level where the company is willing to accommodate them is critical. And we all know like people that are, it doesn't matter what else is going on in their lives. They are going to do everything that they can to show up in a big way. And there's also people that are just not going to. And I think that those people that show up for the company should be accommodated to. No, it makes sense. And the one thing that a lot of uh, the leaders wrestle with as well, and this is a tricky question as well. These are all tricky questions, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Is so the analogy I like to use is like someone that says we can't have all players, that sounds sort of defeatist, it sounds bad, but they're being very truthful in some regards. And so the only analogy I can think of is if you think about a football team. Not everyone's at all pro on the football team. You can't afford it. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to work. Yeah. It doesn't, it's, it's not possible. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you'll hear, well, they need to be an A plus in their role. We don't have all players, but they need to be A plus players in the role. But I'll kind of call that out as well, because again, using the football analogy, that guards like a B player because he's not an all pro. So he, right. he needs to do his job to the best of his ability, but he's not going to be an, an A player. What are your thoughts? Do you agree with that? Disagree that? Like you can't really have all players if you have an organization of a thousand people or, or how does that work? Because then the opposite of a known truth is also true, meaning that if you don't have enough A players, those A players are going to leave because they want to be around other A players. So where's the mix? Knowing that you've got a thousand employees, you might say, no, nope, you can have all A players or you can say this is this is how it comes out. So what are your thoughts on that? Because that's what a lot of the <clears throat> listeners wrestle with on this show. So. Look, by definition, if you, if you think about it in terms of like a bell curve, right? A's are a relatively small percentage of the whole, right? You want to have as many of them as you can afford. And I think that the, the football analogy is a really good one because like, or, or like the Billy Bean with Moneyball, right? Like you want to think about where to productively spend your money because we know that, for example, with Moneyball, right? Like pitching, the pitching market's a pretty efficient market. But his theory was that like at bats was not an efficient market. And so trying to figure that out. So the answer is as many A players as you can sustain economically and with other players that are supporting them. The key thing though is if the players that are not A players that are B players are detracting from the culture, right? If you have a lot of players that are like, you know, pardon me, like a role position, they're doing a fine job, they're not crushing it. But if they're like, hey, wait a minute, you know, so, so and so who is an A player is getting treated like this, and I'm not getting treated like this, and they're complaining, that is a real, you know, problem for the culture. I mean, there are people, sorry to go down this road, but like, within a company, you're never going to have 100% A players, that's just not possible. But what you need to avoid is toxic players. Mm. Because if you get like one toxic person in a group, toxicity, and we all know, I think what I'm talking about here, it just spreads. And that will kill a culture like, like that. Yeah, that's good. That's well said. Yeah, you got to look at that. Even if they're a top performer, if they're toxic, got to get them out of there. Got to get them out of there. Totally. And then the new, the new Elon Musk book came out by Walter Isaacson. He also wrote the Steve Job bio, which is interesting because they're similar in a lot of ways, different in many. Um, but one thing that they're similar in, which is kind of somewhat odd, sort of, if you think about it, because most people would say, like, you can't, you got to treat people like Sacha Nadella treats people, you know, be kind, empathetic. That's what a real leader is. They got to be servant leadership. 
But then you look at these folks that have done crazy amount of good. And in the, the book, it's funny because they'll say, you know, you've got electric cars, you've got getting in outer space after NASA kind of failed and reusable rockets. And now you got solar energy and, and it's got, you know, it's crazy. And then you got a satellite system that's going to be um, really linked together. That's going to make things a lot easier for us to communicate. You know, the trade-off for one kind of jerk, no matter, I'm not saying that I think Elon Musk is a jerk. This is just from the book that that trade-offs, you'll take that every day of the week. When you look, and I'm not saying Elon Musk is a jerk. I think he's done a lot of amazing things. I'm just parroting what the book says is that Steve Jobs on the same vein could kind of run people the wrong way. They're very terse. They fire people. Uh, very quick if they're not getting the job done, reaching that standard. So it's almost the opposite of what most people would think or espouse or just recommend. You got to be servant leader. But then you look at it like, wow, those companies just crushed it. So like, what are your thoughts on those two? Just how do you advise someone don't run off? <laughs> I don't know if you'd say this, but like, do the CEOs ask you like, should I just act more like Musk and, and Jobs? Look, I don't think that they were acting. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that the people that I know that know Elon, and I've never met him personally, but you know, he, they, they know I'm a psychologist. So like their report is that he's very much kind of on the spectrum is the way they were. So he's not like, I don't think this is a conscious, deliberate act for him. This is who he I is. Yeah, yeah. And like, they are and world. You know, you do get these once in a generation talents that, and I actually think it's part of the same picture, right? There's such like their vision for where, what they, where they're going is so articulated in their mind that there has to be a trade-off. And in their cases, it's the trade-off with social skills. And there is, you know, I mean, literally the team that I just had in my office one of them is a complete superstar, just a complete superstar. But uh, that person is is known uh, among the team to be a bully. And I've been tasked with trying to at least soften the curves a little bit because as a result, talent is starting to ebb uh, on the team and the reputation is growing that nobody wants to even though this person is is a legend and is well respected, people don't want to work with this person. Interesting. And so that person, are they considered the toxic person? Why won't they be removed? Or what's... because of all the all the things that is discussed, right? Yeah. That person is a <clears throat> visionary and has a like has a track record of accomplishing unbelievable things against incredible odds. Is a known person. It is is the person that bring like people want to do business with that company because of that person. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a very tricky thing. I mean, this is, this is how I spend a lot of my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. No, it's not easy what you do. These questions aren't easy. So I really appreciate it. I loved your answer that really that's Elon being Elon that's jobs being jobs. So it's inherently, so basically as a leader, it's going to come off immediately. If you're trying to act, it's like, do you, obviously, like you said, in some instances, those weaknesses, just try to shore them up so they're not a liability, soften those edges, uh, but know that they're part of your DNA. It's probably, for Musk, demon mode might be essential for him to get these things done, or to use his own words on Saturday Night Live, hey, for all those that I offended, 
What were you expecting? A chill dude that's going to do all this stuff to get all this stuff up there and, and get it all at Cabo's? Were you expecting someone to be chill? So uh, just fascinating, fascinating. Now, for our listeners, switching gears a little bit, super high level. For most listeners, everyone's different, right? But what's a commonality or something that you go, most listeners need this nugget. So from my perspective as a psychologist, working with these companies, working with these teams, most organizations or most listeners of this podcast, here's some advice for you from my experience that most people, here's some advice that seems to be helpful for most people. This may seem very simple and it's going to go against what we just discussed for people like Elon or Steve Jobs. So we're leaving those. I mean, that is a fraction of a fraction of a percent. So we're leaving, yeah, leaving them to the side. But for again, this may seem uh, almost trite, but like it is about the organization or the company that you serve. It is not about you and putting your ego aside for the good of the team which is really easy to say and really hard to do when something doesn't go your way or when your expertise is um, not appreciated, when you don't feel respected, especially if it's a company that you built. And if you can take yourself, take your ego out of the equation and keep an eye on where is the prize? What are we trying to accomplish here? The, the other thing that I want to encourage is respectful dissent. We know from the literature on marriages, marriages don't fall apart because of conflict. Conflict is good in marriages. If you are married and you are not fighting, you got a bigger problem. Interesting. Because if you're not having some arguments with your partner, it means that you're not emotionally close enough. And that is a much bigger problem. The question isn't whether you should have arguments or not. The data is clear. You should have arguments. It's about how you have those arguments. And so relationships where people are trying, you know, there's all this, this whole body of literature about this, but like they're reading their partners, it's called mind read negative. You read your partner's mind and you assume negative intent, or you're trying to tear the person down or win the argument at all costs. Those relationships do not go the distance. They don't, or they certainly shouldn't because they're not healthy. But it's the same thing at work. If you are worried about your ego or your standing and that is the primary driver of your behavior, it's not going to not going to go well. But if you're thinking about what's good for the company, what's good for the team and not what's good for my own ego, you're going to really make significant contributions. No, that's really well said and and I love the when you talk about your husband wife like that or your partner that it's good to argue, it's clean to argue. This I ran into this with a friend the other day, so this is interesting. So the friends wanted to go visit their family, so their side of the family, and he had to fly in at a different time than the wife and the kids. And he's like, hey, did you book the flight yet? No, did you book the flight? No, I can book the flight for you. No, I want to book it. And then it kept kind of the price kept going up. And he probably wrongly would probably just avoid like passively just not want to get into it. But how would you approach that? Is it more of a question of, like, what's the underlying issue of why you're not booking this flight? Is that how you yeah. approach it? Like, or just, you just kind of say, we might get an argument, like prefaces, we might need to see this differently, or this might turn into an argument, which is fine. But that's kind of how you approach it, a little better better way to approach an argument. Well, I think what I would do is, let's. if I was that guy, I would say, look, my anxiety level is, is rising because this thing, which um, we both agreed that we're going to do, is not being executed upon. And so the closer we get to the time, the more anxiety I'm going to have. So 
I would either like to book it now or have you book it now. But right now, this isn't working for me because I'm feeling very uncomfortable and anxious. And so it's really coming from a very vulnerable place as opposed to like a place of alpha or dominance or assuming malintent. Like because the other person, like as we know from, like think about it from, from the point of view of like, you know, if you have a partner or whatever in your home, there are things that annoy you. They just do. Whatever it is, whether you don't, you can't have this thing out of place or that thing out of place. They just, they are specific to you, Eric. That's you. Your partner may have something totally different. They don't even see those things. Yeah. And, and so if you can at least try to bridge the gap by providing your perspective and not trying to castigate the other person, because the other person may have no malintent. It's not like they're trying to mess with you. It's just that like, they're like, ah, whatever, I'll get the ticket. If it's $20 more, if it's $100, whatever. But you don't think that way. And so it's really, it's, it's on you to communicate that. I like that approach. That's good. Rather than and try to avoid the word you, because then you projected what's what's wrong with you. I like that. Hey, this is making me anxious, right or wrong. This is making me anxious. And that applies to the work world, too. You agree to do this or you've got your goals. You're like, hey, I know you're in charge of this goal, but I'm kind of getting anxious because we're about six weeks out. And like if I was running this thing, I'd be really nervous that we're not going to hit the goal. Do you ask how can I help or what do you say there? So I had a situation like that, um, an executive in my office a few months ago now, this was actually probably over the summer, and she was getting pretty, she'd gotten into it with someone that reported to her because she was moving closer to this deadline or this, this time when the client needed something. And um, she was like, look, I took your advice to me. Um, I told him three weeks ago that I wanted to get him started on it you know, what have you. And she was talking and talking and talking. And I just asked one question. I said, did you give him a deadline? And she like stopped in her tracks. And she's like, no, I thought it was obvious. Like I was saying, like, I wanted to get ahead of this, but I was like, but he didn't have a deadline, did he? And that fundamental piece of communication had been missing. Hmm. And when, when I'm working with leaders and encouraging them, like when they're finishing a meeting, things need to be abundantly clear. I often suggest sending out notes like, hey, these are the agreements that we made during this time so that there isn't ambiguity because what ends up happening is you go from meeting to meeting and you forget that you said X. The other person's like, oh, well, we said it was going to be on June 26th or whatever it was. And then it's just gone. No, that's good. And also, it sounds like even if it's a recurring thing so that hey, we should always have 20 social media posts stockpiled or we need to have X amount of podcasts in the queue at all times and then also you look and there's like one in the queue then you've got to send out i guess a reminder just like and then put a specific deadline we need to have six back in the queue by this date i mean you basically describe the entire arc of the process right you identify the problem you didn't ascribe any intent or malintent to the other person you provided a solution and you provided a solution that could be verified because you provided a date and everything like that's the whole thing yeah, that's good. I like it. This is always a good reminders. These are great. Just like it's like we get all caught up, but it's like getting back to first principles. Like, all right, don't project on that person. They might not be doing this personally to attack you if it's in your house, if it's, you know, with your partner, your spouse or with your team. It's just like, hey, I'm getting anxious. Like, this is what we agreed to do. 
how can we help? We're slipping. How can we do this together? Figure that out. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, as we wrap things up here, what else? What else? What else do, should we go over that, that you're like, man, this is this is kind of what I see out there that's super helpful for people? Well, you know, the things that so we have been pulled into, we really kind of have four different arms of so my company is called the group.io. Um, and I run it with another psychologist and I run it with a head of learning and development. It's a great team. And we sort of do four things for companies. We do executive coaching. So we have a lot of times companies will say, Hey, my uh, CFO really could use a coach. We, we match them up with people. That's one service that we provide. And that's become, you know, much, much needed in the last couple of years. We also run these offsites, which, as I mentioned to you earlier, I think that if we have one talent, one differentiator, it's stitching relationships together really well, really quickly, because so many companies are hybrid or remote and they need that connectivity. It's critical. So we do, we do offsites. We do traditional learning and development. How do you manage up? How do you manage down? How do you have difficult conversations? How do you fire someone in an appropriate and ethical way? Like all of these skills, right? So there's a ton of literature about them. And then we do sort of more traditional consulting around psychology. So like I'm finding that these people tend to be quitting in droves. It's not a financial issue. What's going on? Can you figure it out? And so we, those are kind of the areas that we're helping companies. And, you know, I think that we really are making a difference in the quality of people's lives, which is, you know, my ethos as a clinician first. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then I've got so many questions asked. We'll wrap up super quick here, but I mean, there's so much to go over. Is so mental illness, this might be under purview. I'm not sure. It's, obviously, it's in the workplace. And it's hard to kind of pinpoint because for the longest time it swept under the rug. So we might not have data to record. But I mean, use your gut or maybe you've already know, maybe from a data standpoint, it is out there. It seems like the perception of most people is that mental illness is increasing rapidly across the board. It's more prevalent, more people. One, is that true? Or it might be, we don't know from a data standpoint. One, is it true? And two, why it's increasing so much? So the answer is it's both of those things. There is more mental illness in our country. It's been on an uptrend. We are aware of that. So it's the combination of it's happening more and it's being spoken about more. And because of the way we work, our lives are being more open to other people. So people, it's just seen more and it's existing more. You know, I think it's a number of things. One of them is this loneliness epidemic. I mean, the, to have the Surgeon General explain as he did over the summer that loneliness is a tremendous threat to our health and all of the, the things that come with being lonely. I was shocked that that, that message got out there. We are not spending enough time together. Most of us, there's a small percentage of the population. It's about uh, 7% that they don't really need as much contact, but the rest of us, we need more contact with each other, right? We need to be feeling each other and interacting with each other. So loneliness epidemic, there's obviously a, a lot of other things happening with traditional institutions have broken down and there's a big trust gap in our society. People don't trust ex- uh, experts. People don't trust leaders. So it's a combination of those things. The more time that we can spend together in really thoughtful ways, the better it is for all of us. It's obviously not a panacea, but it certainly will help people. No, that's super, super helpful. And, and it's good that I love that it's out in the open so we can actually address it. Hopefully you can start to address those items that are causing it to increase. But that's that's yeah. time for another show, which hopefully we'll have you back on because we only scratched the surface because it's fascinating the work that you do. 
uh, to help all these companies that are wrestling with it, whether it's hybrid work, whether, as you mentioned, it's this is how you treat employees or this is how you let an employee go onboard employees or this is person's really a top performer, but he's causing people to leave. So how do we help them out? So stuff that all of us are going to wrestle with at some point in our careers or wrestle with right now. So super, super helpful to have you on the show today. Really appreciate your time and hope to get you back on because as I mentioned, there's so much to dive into here. Thanks. It really was a pleasure. I love challenging questions. I I mean, clearly, I just want to say like, I have a rule that if I think something nice, I always try to say it like, I appreciate you. I appreciate that you did your homework in advance of this interview. And that's why the questions were good is because it wasn't like it was free flowing, but you did the work in advance. And so that's what made the questions really good. So thank you for doing that genuinely. No, thank you for answering them because some of them are hard. That's such an adult question. It could very easily, well, it depends because a lot of it does depend. But if you really only have 10 minutes, which is often the case with some of these folks, it's like, what should we do? The answer is probably hybrid. So uh, that's yeah. great. No, I love it. So thank you so much. And hopefully I'll see you in person here soon. That'll be great. Well, Kelsey, we're going to have to get Ben back on the show. That was fantastic. We only scratched the surface. I love when you have psychologists on the show because I just love tapping into what are those, those hidden things, those hidden motivations that all of us have? And how do we work better, not only with people at work, but also at home? How do we, and I love that he said that, hey, if you're not arguing with your partner, with your spouse, that's not a healthy relationship that you have to have those debates in those arguments, but it's really about not making them too personal. It's about actually arguing about the, the exact thing and then coming from a point of vulnerability. So that's great. Um, this is one of our most popular shows. Brene Brown is an expert in vulnerability. So definitely check out that show. It is one of our more popular shows. But once again, we want to thank Ben Michaelis for being on the show today and to go check out more about him in his group at thegroup.io. Once again, that is thegroup.io. So thanks again for joining us for today's Subaru Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Quammen. Most of you know me as Equalman. This is a show designed to unlock and unleash your superpower on the world. So it's fascinating to understand how our brain works. That's what this show was all about. And this show was made possible, of course, by the sponsor, Amazon Prime, but also made possible by the great producers here at Equalman Studios. We you know who they are. You probably know them by heart. We got Jake Brin, Maritza Gutierrez, and also Kelsey Gomez. And thanks to all you, our listeners. The show's not possible if no one listens. So thank you for tuning in each and every week. So really appreciate you doing that. We're trying to get multiple shows out per week. So it's actually, thanks for tuning in multiple times per week. So without further ado, this is Equal Man signing off, reminding all of us, it's not what we take from the world. It's what we leave behind. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Super, 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 super. Super you. Super.